Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Violence Has a Podcast. It's me, your ever endearing host, Professor Robot. And it's me, your constantly surprising host, Dr. Octave. And we are very, very, we are tickled pink as a matter of fact to have with us today the one and only Matthew Joseph Payne of the Mineral Kingdom. Give it up for Matt Payne. My favorite kingdom. Of all the kingdoms. Is it Kingda? Yes. Is that King, the plural? King, King Dorai. King Dorai? King, okay. Kingdus. Kingdus. You're a Kingdus. You're a Kingdus. Do you have a favorite mineral? Is uh, there one do I have there? a favorite mineral? That's a good question. Not currently. Um, I, I, maybe a ranking. Maybe a mineral ranking of some kind. What are kind. your top three minerals? But well, I mean, think if you think about it, if it's a mineral kingdom, there's sort of a mineral hierarchy. Yeah, right who would now. be the king of all minerals then? Um, well, the Borax the, Kid, of course. Right the <laughs> there, you go. Kid. Yeah, no, he's an outlaw. I mean, that's, that's me, right? Yeah, that's you're the me. king of all minerals. So, <laughs> problem solved. Wait, why so you just... love all your you love all the minerals in your kingdom equally. I do, I do. Like, I mean, I think realistically, if we're gonna if humans are gonna make a list of minerals, salt is gonna win. Good old sodium chloride. Salt yeah. is salt is a pretty damn sweet mineral. It's salt yep. of the earth, man. Well, it's, well salty. it's not. I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to call it a sweet mineral. Well, it's salty more it than is salty. It t- I mean, it tastes salty, but emotionally, it's very sweet. Because we love salt and it makes food taste better. Yes, and it's got it ma- electrolytes, which is what plants crave. It's emotionally sweet. Yes, <laughs> and full of I'll electrolytes. Yes, I'll give it that. So yes. the mineral kingdom, it seemed watching from a distance that it sort of slowly and then suddenly evolved from Matthew Joseph Payne's solo plus other people. Like, how did how did you get to where you are now? Well, what originally happened was, you know, I was playing... No, don't do that. I was playing music solo, uh, and then solo was lame, and I started just adding people at random, and it was like a different group every show, which was really fun. It was a ton of fun, but it also required lots and lots of rehearsal time and lots of um, sort of working people into material that they'd never performed before, and just uh, it got a little harrowing, especially having two kids. Uh, trying to manage all that kind of stuff and having like five, six, seven new people to catch up on stuff every single show. Um, And so eventually I sort of picked a core group, which was uh, Mirne Shim on flute and uh, Michael Booker on sax, Ryan Ray on guitar, and uh, VCO Vault, Don Hansen on visuals. And um, when we started to play together, it became really clear that this was like a band. Um, And originally the intent was to sort of keep Matthew Joseph Payne and the Mineral Kingdom as sort of separate continuities. But when I moved, when I moved out of town, I had to give up the band because they were already coming from this giant, like 40 mile radius every time we had to rehearse. And um, with me moving up to Santa Rosa, it just became impossible. So, uh, but when I got up here, I sort of realized there's more of a continuity of songs and material that I can call the mineral kingdom. So if I'm playing, if I'm like playing shows as a band, even if it's just me, it makes more sense to call that the mineral kingdom. And like, if I'm composing for other people to play, that's Matthew Joseph Payne. Okay. So So it's sort of you and sort of the band, depending on what you need. Well, like, I, I'm, I'm up here now, and I'm still sort of meeting people, and I've played one show up here, um, and I hope to have more soon, but um, as of right now, it's still just me, but I'd like to build a new band up here. I just have to meet the right people, and it's more about their attitude and their willingness to sort of challenge themselves and push boundaries than it is about what instruments they play, which is a really unusual way to meet musicians. So I don't know how long that's going to take. Yeah. But you've always had like a really eclectic brew of people working with you in, in general. I feel like that's kind of one of your trademarks. And I mean, even right now you've switched, I've seen you play it go from like banjo and guitar 
and like trombone, and now you're playing vibraphone live. Like that's yeah, a, those are that that was broad. like I, I used to work at a university fixing all the equipment, and I really fell in love with playing mallet percussion, and it's something that I had wanted to explore further for quite a while, and. Now I have a garage, so I, <laughs> so I was able to get a vibraphone and and put it in there and and really spend some time on that. So it, it's it's been great because it's inspired me to practice in a way that I haven't practiced in a long time. Like really dig in and spend a lot of time building technique, which has been great, and nice. hopefully will continue to be great. Is this like is it different from like anything else that you've tried from a technical perspective? Uh. Or as, like, a I drummer, mean, is it, like, pretty well, natural? You know, it doesn't tie very... Well, it kind of, I mean, it, like, the actual physical action ties very closely to drumming, but... Uh, so, like, right before I did vibraphone, I had a... I built up a modular synth, a Eurorack system, and that was fun, but didn't really get me anywhere that I wanted to be. Like, it didn't help me make the music I wanted to be making... Um, and I just was like, you know what? I need something that's physical, that's tactile, that I've got my hands on, that I can be like energetic with. And I need something that is more melodic. Yeah. So I gravitated towards the vibraphone and it's, and it's been good and sold off the entire Eurorack. Damn. So somebody else is going to make awesome synth music with your old gear. Well, you know, you know how modular synth is. It's like. 50 other people are going to make awesome music with my, with my old synth gear, presumably. Because um, it's just all over the place now. Who knows? It's all gone. Yeah, everybody's moved to Game Boy. Right, exactly. Exactly. Is that where, is that where all the hip kids are now? I guess Game so. Boy? Well, you know, it's weird. Like, people are really giving... Chiptune people, I think a lot of them are giving up the original hardware. But at the same time, people are building more interfaces to make more consoles work. Like someone just cracked the, um, the Saturn, right? The Dreamcast. The Dreamcast. Yeah. The Dreamcast. They just cracked it. And so there's probably going to be all these tools for it soon. Uh, that's the way it tends to go. Uh, like Sega Genesis was the last one. Like people, I mean, people have known how to work with the Genesis for a while, but just suddenly people were coding for it and building hardware for it. And, um, but I think FM synthesis is still kind of over the heads of many. So we'll see how far that goes in terms of actual music appearing. So now if the Dreamcast is cracked, wasn't that just a Windows CE machine with like modern Sound Blaster level hardware? Apparently it has its own like, I don't know if it has its own chipset, but there's like a lot of stuff packed into it. So I think that the software is based on just like a standard OS, but of some kind, but, um, the it has like heart a proprietary MIDI set or something. I Is guess. I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about it. I watched, I watched like a third of that video and then my kids did I were say that right? me and I turned it off. So. Did I, did I, did I use the right terminology there? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So essentially Maybe. like what you're talking about is like, they're trying to get the sounds that are on the chip in or off of it. Right. They want to be able to take the noises on the Dreamcast. Well, well you want to be able to control the Dreamcast's capabilities to make your own music the same way we do with the Game Boy, you know, where it's not about, like, sampling all the sounds off of it, because you can do that, too, and you can get chip sounds, you know, and there's recreations of the waveforms, but... Um, and you just take, uh, you just take Bleemcast... And then you get the MTV Music Generator for PlayStation 2, <laughs> and you put that in there. Done. Perfect. Mic drop. Plop. Go. Make your You've piece. solved Dreamcast chip music, Professor It's Robot. done. It's, it's I'm complete. I'm like the fucking... I'm li I just trumped it, yo. <laughs> we're going to fucking... We're going to put a PlayStation 2 game in a Dreamcast, and it's going to be great. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be, be wonderful. It's gonna, music it's gonna is be solved. The, it's going to be the done. best... It's going to be the dopest beat that you've ever heard. We're going to make the Dreamcast great again. <laughs> oh, God. Please don't. I have a Dreamcast. Please don't. I'm gonna, <laughs> if that's what you think you're going to do, I'm going to build a wall around my Dreamcast. 
Then you won't be able to do anything to it. Yeah. I'll double jump over your wall. <laughs> Uh-oh. Right. All right. <laughs> well, so anyway. Back to music. So, I mean, you've, you've come a long way musically. Like, the thing that I always tell people when I've described kind of like what's seeing you with a whole band is like, is it's kind of like if Paul Simon made chiptune music. Uh-oh. Like, just, and I, and I mean, I think you evoke it visually some somewhat almost sometimes more like your 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 band would be dressed all in white it would almost be like going to like a a baptist revival sort of thing <laughs> doc, right. back me up on this doc help me out here no it's, My words are, i i can see it you know the the yeah. fashion and the visual aspect of the band has always been something i've i've enjoyed seeing matt you know well well the idea behind the white um it started with doing visuals and then like not having a screen to put it on. And I was like, well, why don't I just make the band into the screen? And when I added, when Don Hansen joined, when uh, VCO vault joined and I had visuals in the band, it made even more sense. Um, and you know, it changed from venue to venue, sort of how it worked. But, um, it, uh, I think we used it to great effect quite a few times most recently, like when I played this last show, I didn't wear all white. Uh, and I'm not sure how permanent of a part that is, but I do know that the appearance of the band is very important to me. Um, I think that when you get on stage with a band, and I know that you guys agree with this uh, based on <laughs> how your band works. Okay, um, sure, the, maybe a the, little. <laughs> the appearance of the group, it, it's important. Like it's a theatric, it's a production. It's not just... I mean, like, if you're in a punk rock band, like, sure, just get on stage and play. Like, that's part of the idea behind that music is whatever goes, goes. But uh, if you're going to do anything beyond that, like, you have to worry about the visual aspect of what you're doing and, and tying it all together. Um, and it creates so much more impact, I think, to create a setting like that on stage. And to make, and make a show like an event, not just... a just show. Yeah. If that, make, think, if that makes sense. If that makes sense. No, I think that's, I think that's super key. And, uh, one of the groups I was in before cartoon violence, like, uh, the guy that would book most of our things, it was all about, and it was, it worked to our advantage a lot, but it, sometimes we missed out on some good shows because of it. But, uh, but everything had to be very grandiose. Like you were like, yeah, like you said, putting on an event. So everything yeah. had to like, you had to take it, like 10 times further than you would just like, Oh, I got a gig like this Wednesday. Everybody come out. Right. Like you really gotta, you really gotta turn it into a thing. Like even when we do regular shows, I try to like put a, make a flyer and put a theme to the flyer and like find a way to kind of entice people into thinking that this is going to be something like super ridiculous. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have, yeah, to, I think you that... gotta, it's part of selling yourself as a musician sort of, you know? Mm hmm. And it's super, super, super important. Yeah. So, Matt, do you have... I know you have a, a serious musical background and you taught mm -hmm. music. Was there a performance aspect to your background? Did you do plays or drama when you were younger? Yeah, I did. I did theater starting in middle school and I sort of switched over to theater tech when I went into high school. And that continued to be an aspect of my professional life. When I went to... When I started working at a university, I was in charge of both the music and theater departments tech. Um, and as a result of that, I got to do some more performance, um, playing a lot of stuff was like mixtures of acting and dancing and, and playing. I got involved with a dance company called, uh, uh Dandelion Dance Theater in Oakland. Uh, and they would, we would do a lot of productions that mixed, um, different levels of ability. Like his thing initially was you could take people who are of any ability in either acting, dancing, or music and sort of catch them up on the other areas and, and combine them and just sort of mix those things. And so you'd have like leaders in, in the music area who would then learn the dance stuff from dancers and et cetera. So I got to do a bunch of productions like that. We did a thing at the uh, a 
particularly a thing at the Jewish History Museum in San Francisco. And um, that was a really, really great show. Uh, I got to play accordion while being carried across the room. Uh, I got to do like a, a playing instruments while like me and another accordionist like slow dancing while playing an accordion on the other person's back. Um, just stuff like that, like really sort of getting to explore all the possibilities with staging and stuff like that. Um, and way, way back, I was an ice dancer when I was little. Um, I got to do a bunch of different, different things and and I, and it's all sort of come together. Ice dancer? I mean, I don't know if ice dancing has a lot of very direct impact on the the work that I'm doing right now. I think that's a key insight into your musical soul. Um, This changes everything for me. (laughs) <laughs> this changes everything. Uh, now it maybe. all makes sense. You just like, uh, you just took that like missing pe- puzzle piece, and right uh, yeah. there. Uh oh. It all culminates into yeah. what we what we see today. <laughs> so I would I would say that frozen water might be like your favorite mineral. Maybe mineral Fro- frozen mm. mineral water. I don't. Does that? I guess that's. I guess ice is a mineral. I mean, it's I have, element, I've never thought about that. But it's. I think you could only count it as a mineral if it's got mineral salts in it. Yeah. You know? So it's mineral, so, frozen mineral water. Like groundwater, I guess would be a yeah. mineral, but pure water wouldn't be like rain. Well, so like, like is is seawater a mineral? Water. Yeah, I guess it's, it's salt, pretty salty. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this, the <laughs> philosophical scientific boundary is currently in turmoil. Uh-oh. Every mineral is welcome in the mineral kingdom, whether they be mixed actual, with another thing, another whether element. They, whether they be actual minerals or not. Yeah. If they have families. They're mi- they all mix together. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing. And the mineral kingdom celebrates that sort of beauty. So I think it's true. We do. So speaking of celebrating beauty in your music, uh, the panda hand and your hand is a panda. Uh, That that's, do you want to say something about it? I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt. I want to, I want to know the, I want to know the story behind the song. Um, I want to get VH1 storytellers on the, on the, uh, it's, it's, it's a mixture of things. So way, way, way long ago, uh, my wife made this little panda robot stuff thing that sat at my work desk for a long time. Um, now cut three years in the future and our, uh, son Rowan one time he found like this, there's this panda puppet that a friend of, of Kelly, my wife's made and, uh, he was playing with it and he said, panda's on my hand because my hand is a panda. And it became a quote around the house for a long time. And then he, I was doing and weekly beats. Well, I was doing, I was doing that weekly, weekly beats project and I'd have a song every week and I would ask him for ideas a lot. And he said, I should write a song about pandas. He was like obsessed with this puppet at, at, for like that week, just that week. And then, uh, so I took that quote and I wrote that. And so, all of the lyrics in the song, except for the rap in the middle, are pretty much just generated from that one sentence. Um, and the idea of robots, thinking about that other stuffed panda robot. And that's it. It's, it's weird because it's a song that just sort of came from this one moment and just sprouted on its own and doesn't have any other real external... Like I was thinking about Mike Patton stylistically... Um, but otherwise it has no other real outside sort of, uh, carving that came in. Um, and then the whole performance aspect of that song, I think I I wanted to do that because the song came from nowhere. Like I wanted it to really have this like over the top, uh, staging going on. Um, so we have the panda hats and the procession and the, um, and the puppet and the secrets I don't want to give away for people who haven't seen it yet. So, um, and doing it and the, and the, 
weird thing was I, I did it with the band a few times and I would have a band member processing with me and we had the visuals behind us and I had the whole band to do the, the musical bed on it. And that really did set, like you were talking earlier about the sort of religious tone of some of the performances with the all white. And it really did like, yeah. it took that further and it really sort of drove that home. But the, I wasn't sure if it was going to work solo at uh, this last show that I played. And so I, I, I recorded like 10 minutes of of doom like drone guitar and layered synthesizers over it and just had my playback device play that and then left and went to my van and put on my panda hat and got my like got this bamboo staff that I made that had bells hanging from it and did this march in you know everybody parted ways for me and I came in and it worked out great but um I, I think it's just because the contrast between that and the song itself is so extreme. So everyone's sort of so confused until that moment when the song starts. Um, I think it sort of shocks people into excitement. I don't know. So, I mean, you saw, you saw it at um, Rockage 4, right? I, I saw it. I think I saw it a couple times. I feel like I saw it at Art Boutique also. Did we? At one point, like the Star Wars show. No, maybe? I think it was. No, after we that. didn't. We didn't do it at Arpatiki. I remember I, it from Rockage. Yeah, I yeah. definitely saw it at Rockage, but um, I also watched the video of you performing it with the with the vibraphones that you posted. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So you got yeah. to see the side view there. Yeah. I took so. more video at that show, but like, I don't know if anything's gonna happen with it. It wasn't. It was it was a, it was a good show, but it wasn't the video is well, not that incredible. It's not ready for prime time quite yet. Like you're still tweaking it. Yeah. Well, I took I, I've started. I basically keep all of our old phones that break down as long as the cameras still work so I can use them as little sort of crappy mobile cameras. So I had one pointing right at the vibraphone, which was really nice for me as a musician to be able to go back and sort of see how I'm in detail how I'm performing under fire. Um, and it was pretty good, but, uh, and I, and I think in the future I would like to ha do like a multi angle thing and, and have one of them be like a close up on an instrument like that, which hasn't really been available to me before. Cause I don't have like GoPros that I can clip to a banjo or whatever. And I move around a lot. Um, yeah, so that's hopefully, a cool thing. yeah, hopefully down the road, I'll get to release something like that. Yeah, I've seen other bands do stuff like that. Um, I just saw They Might Be Giants last week, and they have a GoPro on the side of the keyboard that John Lennon uh, uses now. So. Oh, yeah, and then use there. it live during uh, the concert. So you guessed cool. it. And then, like, use it live during the concert. You yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. When he's playing a solo, they'll cut to it, and then they got another camera in the back that Flansburg can stare at, and they just That's cut cool. between them sometimes. Not like It's not a constant thing. It's just... Right, of course. You know? But they have like a video, like a person who's in charge of live video doing yeah. that stuff. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. And I, what something I might be doing soon is uh, Don uh, Visio Vault, who is in my band, who makes GIF Slap, which is like a piece of software that allows you to do live visuals based on animated GIFs on a laptop. Um, he just added a webcam feature to GIFSLAP. So you nice. can take multiple webcam streams and switch between them. You can only do one at a time right now, but um, I'm really excited about that uh, because GIFSLAP is MIDI controlled. And I'm using a MIDI sequencer on stage right now, and so I'm hoping to use a channel or two to control a laptop running GIFSLAP to have pre-programmed visuals that I can modify as I go. But then I can also use ca live cameras and and send them to TVs or a projector or whatever um, until hopefully down the road like I'll get a visualist again perhaps but um, that's something I, I want to get into very soon so you want to pull as much visual imagery as possible into the one man band aesthetic that you've I'd got like going on? I'd like to I'd like to uh, there I mean there's there's a certain limit at a certain point of like I don't really want to move a half a ton of gear 
but um, if I if I can keep like if I just have to add a laptop and a projector, fine. That's fine. I can do that. Yeah. You know. Um, the other thing that I I almost did was I got a mallet cat, which is a vibraphone slash you know like vibraphone layout MIDI controller. Oh, it's got the cool. it's got the pads. It's very very cool. It's a very cool piece of technology. It feels reasonably natural. It can do all kinds of crazy MIDI things, um, but ultimately I returned it because I couldn't get physical with it enough. I'm like used to song. like jumping at my instruments and like really going to town when I Come when it's appropriate for the music, and I I felt like I was gonna knock the thing over. It's just like a like a long board with sensors on top. So I, it just wasn't, it wasn't working out for me, but I, I, I do highly recommend them. They're a little pricey. Everything so you cool need, is pricey. You need like an industrial strength. MIDI yeah, controller. basically. I mean, like, I basically need a MIDI controller that already weighs as much as an actual vibraphone, which would kind of defeat the purpose. Hmm. This is a problem to be solved. Yeah. What about MIDI triggers on a vibraphone? That's apparently a thing too, and I guess you can just like glue um, piezo sensors to the bottom of th- of pads and do a pretty good job of converting a vibraphone into a MIDI controller. Um, so that that might happen down the road. That's something I might be interested in doing. The vibraphone I have right now is like nice, but it's sort of like a weird old student model. So I could do stuff like that pretty freely. Upgrade, upgrade your vibraphone. My vibraphone. Yeah, I just in doing our research for this podcast, I was looking at a YouTube video of Ruth Underwood, who was the percussionist for Frank Zappa's band. Yeah. Talking about how they, you know, wanted to take her on the road. Frank wanted to be able to amplify it, but she only had one marimba. And he was like, we'll have to drill into them and put a a pickup in each key. She's like, drill into my marimba? No, God, no. So um, apparently Frank offered to have his vibraphone modified so that she would feel like she wasn't the only one risking her instrument. And then it all worked out. And then, boom, electric marimba, electric vibraphone. Yeah. Well, and he had a... I mean, Ruth is like the one most recognized with him, but he had a few other percussionists who played with him off and on. And um, by the 80s, it was like huge percussion setups and just mics everywhere and sort of like a crazy crazy setup uh there's a bunch of videos of um god i can't remember the name of his, the percussionist he had around uh like chic your booty in that era mm-hmm. i can't remember the guy's name but you know it's like marimba vibraphone glockenspiel like the whole family is out there and, yeah but pro uh, pro audio had reached sort of a different level <laughs> at that point yeah definitely so um what's What's your songwriting process like when you're doing Game Boy stuff with all these instruments? Are you writing every part out and then trying to fill it in with those players live? Or are you just writing the core of the song and let people figure out a part to add to it, depending on what ensemble you have? Um, well, I haven't had a band in a bit, but when I, when I did, it was... Like, each song would get started in a very different way. Sometimes it's a Game Boy idea that develops into a song. Sometimes it's an idea on a different instrument or just, like, a song idea that develops into a song, and then I program backing tracks for it. Um, but then parts that instrumentalists are playing typically have been fully written out by me beforehand. I have folders and folders on my computer of parts and variations on the parts and when the ensemble changes I have to go back in and rearrange things and move things around and I take a lot of inspiration from things that my players do in rehearsal or there'll be places where I'm like I'm not exactly sure what to do here why don't you just try something but for the most part it's all like notated like written out and ready to go when musicians come to it do you can do you compose all your stuff before you even get to like digitally composing it often Uh, i mean i don't i don't i don't like pre-notate lsdj parts i i typically write those as i program but but you know uh, what you're doing 
while you're writing it though you're like this yeah, is what i want yes definitely and and i definitely have all of most other parts written out by the time i get to doing recording whether i'm just tracking myself or i have like a session set up somewhere typically everything is all the parts are like ready to go by the time i get there nice. it's a lot of work it is a it, lot you of know work. it is and that's part of why um, I kind of had to give the band up when I came up here is it was like, I can't, I almost need a situation that's a little more collaborative just for the sake of, I can't, do, you know, prep all the music, re- run the rehearsals, write, the, write everything, practice, and do all the booking and do all the... Um, yeah. It's a lot. I mean, like, I, I mean, I was I was really lucky because I had bandmates who were interested in doing the website and the booking and um, and helping me with all that stuff. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still a lot prepping of work. all the, prep, no. prepping parts for every rehearsal and and all that kind of stuff. But I also yeah. at the same time, I, it's hard for me to imagine doing things any other way. Like I, I really like having well-organized rehearsals. I don't like coming to rehearsal and being like, well, what should we play? What should we, what should we? like, no, I come in with like, I come up with like a rehearsal schedule. That's like, we're going to run this piece for a half an hour. We're going to run this piece for a half an hour. And then we're going to take a break. And then we're going to run this piece for a half an hour. And then we're going to run the set. And it's all like mapped out before we get there. Um, and I think, especially with the musicians I was working with, they're all, professionals and they're all very busy and they're all doing a lot of stuff and I think they really appreciate coming into their band and having it be the same as when they go to their orchestra rehearsals where you don't feel like you're wasting time like you get in and there's a plan and it doesn't feel like there's any wasted like there's a wasted minute yeah especially like people on that level it's like if you're not paying for their time, like they're doing you a huge favor yeah yes absolutely I was incredibly lucky to have people who are willing to work with me but that's, for free. Who are, who, a lot of that because I, of your background, like growing up as like kind of a AV theater-like person? Maybe. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. They, they were all just excited about my music, so they were willing to do it, you know? Um, that's always a good feeling, right? It is. I mean, I hope, I, I hope I'm lucky enough to find people like that again. Um, I was really bummed to have to give that group up, but that just wasn't really feasible for me to rehearse a group that far away. Ah, the distances between us. I know. It's like, even just like between the two of us, like me and the doc, like it's, it's a lot. And like, it was harder. It's a lot harder because we kept having to bring in like bassists and drummers and like rhythm guitarists for a show. And like, you even did a show with us. Yep. As our drummer. I did. That was fun. Yeah. Trivia fact, times. your dad did a show with us, too. That is, yep, that is also true. My, my, uh, Sparky Grinstead, or I guess he was Norman Famous with you guys. He's, he's both. He's many people. Yes, yeah. he is. But, um, uh, but yeah, we he, tried to set you, the Guinness you know, record. You got one of his last drum performances because the doctors said... You need to stop playing music. And he said, no, that is not happening. And then they were like, okay, well, you at least need to stop playing drums. So wow. he was like, I can make that, I can make that concession. Oh, so, wow. So drums, drums are no longer an instrument that he plays. Well, wow. we are yeah. honored to have received one of the final performances of the great Sparky Grinstead. Yeah, uh, on drums. On drums. On drums. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was yeah. a crazy gig. We we couldn't use any of our existing backing tracks because this concert yeah. was trying to set the Guinness record. For right, so you concert. had to pick had to you had to pick material live. that didn't everything yeah, live. And we had what yeah. was it, fifteen or thirty seconds between songs maximum. So that was that was super intense because like, I got food poisoning, really bad the day before we started rehearsal. And I was still sick. Oh for, my like, god! The three days of rehearsal. And like I just started feeling normal on the day of the show, which was that Monday. <laughs> so it was just That's like awful. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just like drinking Gatorade and hoping I wouldn't have to poop through like That's three awful. practices. And, and then it was <laughs> what, like a three-hour drive out to Chico, something like that, two to three yeah, hours. I was feeling pretty normal by then, but like, yeah, it was just like a really intense four days for me personally. 
Were you, how long was the set? Was it like a half hour set or, or longer? Yeah, like 20, 30 minutes. Okay. All live. Yeah. And we rocked I think it was it. like 23 minutes, something like that. 25 yeah. minutes. Did they, they set did 25 minutes and then like five minute changeovers. Did, did, they they man- did they manage to set the record? So technically, yeah. Like they, it was one of these things where they did everything that Guinness said they should do and they documented it all. And Guinness, after the fact, because they didn't believe in them enough to send out a representative to actually physically monitor 30 days of a live concert. Like, it was all self-documented, but they followed every single protocol that Guinness set out. And Guinness said at the end, well, we didn't receive proper evidence. We don't think you followed the guidelines. We're not giving you the record. Oh, what the heck? uh, They just totally moved the goalposts, and it was really... I'm not sure what their motivation was to prevent the record from being set, but um, in my mind, this... This organization, um, Chico Breaks the Record, actually did set the Guinness record for long yeah. concert. Well, who gives they, did it again. They, they did it again this year, going for a shorter target, but still long enough to break the record. And like, I don't think they've reported the results of the Guinness judging yet. Does hmm. anybody really, like, does it, I mean, it's just kind of a weird bragging thing to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's like, and like, the only people that, like, really care are probably, like, little kids reading the Guinness book in, like, grade school. So, yeah, I mean, you become legend in the minds of the <laughs> next generation. Whatever. You do, you do a thing, you accomplish it, you do it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so I don't give a damn what Guinness says. We broke a record, and they can, they can lick a nut. Yeah, they, they can set the record for the largest nut licked. There you go. They could. That's a good record. They could. Yeah. That's a good record. I would, I would buy that record on vinyl. So, mm. uh, speaking of being sick right before shows, do you remember, um, were you at Frequency uh, the same, or the last time I played it? Do you remember that? I, I was don't think not. So. No. Uh, I lost my voice on the way down there, and I was supposed to sing through most of the set, the Mineral Kingdom set, and uh, I wound up borrowing a vocoder from um, from someone and trying to do the whole show through a vocoder. But of course, halfway through the set, it like stopped working correctly. And I just said, and I was just like, you know what, screw it. And I just started singing <laughs> really hard. And I think it helped my voice get better, which doesn't make any sense. It should make it a lot worse. No. Um, that's the healing, that's adrenaline, that's rock and roll. I guess so, yeah. Bands. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. But, um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe next time you just gotta, you just gotta push through it. The show push must it go through, on. as it were. Yeah. Like, you, you, you know this. You come, if you come from a theater background, you know that the show must go on. It's very true. It's extremely true. At, all, at any given moment. Yep. Which, I th- which I think is a good segue to our show moving on to its next segment. hey What do you think about that, guys? Are you guys ready for that? Or? That was that's, smooth. That's good. The show must move on. Yes. yes. .org. So here's how it works. It's themed differently every single time. Did we play – did we use that theme song? Uh, we haven't <laughs> reused it yet. No. What? What? Are we? I hope that it plays before this week's top five. Okay. We're gonna use to... our theme song. I'll All add right, it in. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Top five lists on Cartoon Violence has a podcast. Listen to our lists. They're full of interesting songs. Learn about our music tastes. It's the Cartoon Violence has a podcast top five lists. Hashtag CV5. Hot. So, uh, yeah, the way it works is we have a different theme each month. This month's theme is uh, songs with vibraphones or other malleted percussive tonal instruments essentially yep. right my top love right now yes so all right so we count down from five to one one Kay. person at a time 
Uh, Matt, you'll go first with your number five. Oh, oh and if there's a tie, oh. I have. So wait. So we do like five, 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 four, four, four. Is that exactly. what we do? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh shoot. So I don't know if mine are really ordered. Let me look at it real if quick. If there's a tie, you gotta buzz in. And uh, I think this week, for the tiebreaker, uh, if because two people can't have the same song on their list, the tiebreaker is Highlander gonna, rules. There can be only one. There can be only one. There you go. So uh, this week, I thought we'd do super fight to decide who is the winner of a song. And the way Super Fight works is, is it's a card game, and it's pretty much which fantasy characters would win in a fight. To keep it moving along nice and quick, I'm going to pick out two random character cards for each person in the battle, and then uh, it'll make sense as we go along. All right, because I'm, I'm so confused right now. So okay. just but wait, wait until just... if somebody says a song that's also anywhere on your list... You buzz in, and then you two have to fight over who gets to keep the song on their list. Okay. And if you lose a fight, then you've got to pick a different song to put in that spot in your list. Oh, man. So if you say your number three is, you know, Helter Skelter, you know, then, uh, you know, if that's also on my list, I buzz in. We super fight over it. If you lose, you got to pick a new number three. All right. I think it's pretty unlikely that that's going to happen to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Professor and I are definitely going to duel over at least one okay. song. We've, we, we know each other's musical tastes enough by this point to know when we're going to have the same song on our list. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm so ready for this, though. I'm like, okay. I'm like a tiger. Well, All that's right. fine. So uh, I'm going first with my number so, five. Vibraphone yeah. roll, please. Your number five. Okay. Well, so my, my number five is it's sort of whack because it's not actually a single song, but it's... Um, there's a, a, an almost live record that uh, the band Y, which used to be a solo act, put out. And their layout has been the drummer plays vibraphone through most of the songs. Um, and so there's versions of a few of the different songs on there, but they do this incredible live setup um, with him playing, playing vibe, like vibes parts while playing drums. Um, uh, I could name a couple tracks off of it, I guess, but I don't know how much your audience knows why very well, but it's why with a question mark and their album is, uh, uh, almost live from Anna's cabin. Um, they made it a few years ago and it was like, it was like practice for their live set essentially. Uh, uh but there, there's, live, but I'll tell you what, I'll make it a song. There's a really, really great version of, uh, oh wait, no, no, that's the wrong one. Shoot. There's another one. Where is it? Almost live from Eli's live room. That's the one that had it. Um, there's a really, really great version of their song, Nashville, which is spelled G-N-A-S-H-ville, um, which is really like great. The gnashing of teeth. Yes, exactly. Gnashing of teeth-ville. All right. So, so that's my five. I'm sure it's great. I'll check these out and as many as we can, as many <laughs> as we can put in list. a playlist, Almost like on YouTube list. or whatever. I'm sure. Um, so I'll end up listening to all these. I hope you do too, listener. Kids okay. at home. All right, Listener, all right, kids. Doc, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I'll just get this out of the way. I know it's not going to be a, uh, a collision, and I have to include a They Might Be Giants song in my list, if at all possible. So Th at my number five, reasonable. I'll do Hello Radio, which was the intro track to Miscellaneous T, which was their B-Sides collection. Mm. Um, it's, it's a kind of a throwaway instrumental track, uh, but I've always really liked the melody, and when I thought of vibraphones and they might be giants it just it came to mind Ooh, so that's not even five. i'm really surprised i have uh i have a they might be giants song on my backup list and that is not it oh. and i thought for a we're second, supposed to have backup like, lists what is this for i'm always prepared all right it's good well, see Being so we know good. that when there's a collision if you lose you might have to pick a new song so we always prepare right right right, right of course yeah yeah so we got them in yeah. the wings all right professor all right. What's your number five? Stan Getz and Astrid Gilberto, the Ooh. girl from Ipanema. Oh, nice. yes, a classic. Do you know that song is actually the same uh, chord progression as Take the A Train? Oh, nice. No. I, well, it makes sense. But, like, uh, I really, I actually really like the AC Jobem version a lot, but there's no vibraphone on it. So this version right. is – I, I really wanted to get, like, a nice – like like Brazilian jazz or like lounge 
song on my list, and I, I think that if you're going to talk like that genre of music, that this is kind of the pinnacle of it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the thing that sort of exploded it into Western consciousness, at least. For sure. Yeah. All right, number four, Matt, what you got? All right, for number four, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheese it a little bit and go with the song that I played on. Uh, it's a song by All My Pretty Ones, a band I used to be in, called Icicles. And on this song, I overdubbed uh, Glockenspiel, uh, Kortales, and um, this weird little instrument I built out of toy bells that were like splayed out like a sort of like a mallet instrument thing. Um, I overdubbed them playing the same part and it created this uh, very sort of brittle, icy feel for Icicles, the song. And it's on their record Assemblage, which uh, is a record that I'm extremely proud of. Um, you know what's crazy and- is that like, that I played with that band in my old in the band before cartoon violence i played with them in berkeley you used to live there too right yeah yeah so like i played at matt's old house with his old band like years before we really knew each other right yeah <laughs> yeah uh, derek who runs that band is uh super super creative he's really really awesome so yeah, small world. You guys, it would, you played together, or I mean, no, you were. He's played shows with shows. All my pretty ones has been around for a long time. It's been okay. a band. It was a band before I was in it, and it's a band still. Ah, um, gotcha. And the membership has totally changed like four times. Uh, it's really like Derek Schmidt's one of his projects. Yeah. And so he has like a. It's kind of like the Mineral Kingdom, where there's like a body of songs that represent the group. And those songs change over time, and they, they some have been recorded. Multi- like Icicles, this is like the second time it's been released, I think. He had it on one of the first EPs, and then we like totally redid it. But um, he, yeah, he's just super, super creative and does is a fantastic songwriter. Nice. All right, so my number four, let's see. Um, let's get this out of the way. I think this is going to be a collision, but uh, Gone Daddy Gone by The Violent Fans. There we go. Expected result. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we're going to super fight for this. Super fight, by the way, is a great game. And uh, we're going to do this really, really quickly. So, Victor, I am the devil, and you are a mermaid. And let's see. I'm wearing a suit of armor. You can summon an army of internet trolls. I am trapped in a potato sack, and you are in a blimp. So who are all right, to fight? So is, all right, side by side. Say, say it again. A mermaid with what? You're a mermaid, and you can summon an army of internet trolls, and you're in a blimp. Okay. <laughs> I am the devil wearing a suit of armor in a potato sack. Okay, well... Uh, I assume I have some sort of aquarium inside this blimp. Otherwise, I think you just put me into a situation. It doesn't say anything about an aquarium. So So I I die? I think that you make a deal with the devil in order to get water, but it ends up backfiring on you because the water, like, weighs down on the blimp, and the blimp crashes and explodes, and you essentially boil to death inside the blimp. Um, before I boil the death in the blimp, can I summon, summon my army of internet trolls to DDoS the devil's intranet? But they all, like, internet trolls, like, like, ping flood hell? They're pretty much rotting, they should all rot in hell. So, I think that the devil, like, says, like, look, if you, like, uh, you know, if you just, like, sign here, I'll, you'll be able to talk to girls or something, and, like, then they all stop... They all stop playing on the internet. They go talk to women and, like, get on with their lives. And they're not there anymore. But then they all die, ironically, and the devil gets their souls. All right. I say mermaid wins. I say the devil wins. Matt, does the devil win or the mermaid? I don't know. I'm going to go with the mermaid because I like mermaids more. Yes. Oh, you're going to pay for that one, Doc. Oh, hey, you know. 
Uh, sometimes you win at Super Fight and sometimes you lose. And that's just the way the vibraphone crumbles. That is the way so, that it goes. So I get, I get Gone Daddy Gone and you've got to pick a different one for whatever that, that one was. That was my but number two. What was your two. number four? Okay, well, what's your number four? My number four is Soul Coughing, Bust to Beelzebub. Ooh, nice. nice. I should have I done that. I haven't heard that in a long time. I could have gone with 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. 3540, but I went with Bust to Beelzebub because it's got a great, Beautiful. it's got a great percussive marimba xylophone thing breakdown. <laughs> whichever one, whichever Whatever one. Whatever the fuck it was, I don't know, but yeah, that any chance to put Soul Coughing on a list, I'm gonna take. I don't blame you at all. All right, Matt, what's your number three? My number three is a song called "The Companions" by Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Um, they have this setup. They have this live setup with a xylophone and a glockenspiel up on a stand, like back to back. Um, and they're really featured in the beginning part of this song. Uh, it's the song is like ten minutes long, but the but the first part of it is this very sort of dramatic intro, and there's all these uh, xylophone arpeggios that that sort of highlight everything else going on. Um, and then it builds into this like big dramatic sort of rock thing with with trumpet like spanish sounding trumpet lines over it it's very cool nice i saw them once they i didn't know what to expect and they freaked me out it was good yep did, did they, they put you to, did did you like sit on the floor and take a nap because that's no i just i felt kind of like a gorilla in a museum a sleepy time gorilla I, see i kind of imagine it as like the kind i would really like to just, it would be really cool if there was just a band in general that was like sit on the floor with your like sleeping bag and take a nap while we play for you. And I know I know of two groups like that. One of course is Narboots, although that's just one song. Uh-huh. Um, the other of co- the other is a uh, Art Landy is a jazz pianist and sometime drummer who apparently did this for a few early morning gigs that he was hired for. He would bring his band and they would just come in their pajamas and they would like lay on the ground until one of them f- and just relax until one of them felt like they had something to play. And then they would get up and start playing. And it turned into an actual performance, but they spent a good amount of time laying on the ground. Sick laying on the ground solo, dude. Yep, definitely. Anyway, Sleepy Time Guild Museum, I highly recommend them. Uh, yeah. And get, go check out live video of them on YouTube. That's that's what's really about. They're a huge influence of mine. Cool. All right, so let's see. For my number three, um, let's go with uh, Montana by Frank Zappa. Ooh, good one. It's going to be a dental floss type Wait, game. how much mallet percussion is in the original version of that? Um, there's some. I think <laughs> it's the one on... Um, uh, Overnight Sensation is that it or is that a compilation? I think that's a comp because it's on because it's on the first mother or um, it's on like the first mother's record, the original mm. version with uh, with the with the singers in the bridge. Uh-huh. Um, but I know that that I mean that part that yeah. that whole thing was played like as like a a tutti instrumental part for much of the like late 70s and the 80s on I've, on, I've heard on it as mallet part yeah on, as yeah. primarily a mallet part it was like mallet and then like a synthesizer playing like a repeated mallet mm-hmm. sound but i don't know how much the original version had but anyway great song either way yeah i mean if if you want to challenge it i can pick another i just no uh, no no it's okay i don't need to challenge it i <laughs> I, mean, I actually i i have that middle section notated it's one of the things i'm i'm planning on learning just as like practice nice very soon i didn't put zap on my list but i would have gone with penguin in bondage if we were going to talk mallet percussion stuff mm. if you don't know that song look it up it is like yeah. all it is like, cause you know, you know, xylophones and like vibraphones, they, they're used for cold, wintry sort of arctic right. things as well as skeleton bones, you know? See, I, I just didn't put any zap on my list cause I knew you guys would. 
I didn't even player. realize there was a challenge situation. I just didn't want to. I didn't. Double well, up. that's why I didn't put him on my list either. Ah. Because my number three right. is the Beach Boys, Sloop John B. Nice. Oh yeah. yeah. I knew I had to get like a Beach Boys song on there because like they were, like Pet Sounds is like all over the place orchestrally, and like that's one of my favorite Beach Boys songs, and it's like. You know, it's it's a lot of accenting with like a Glockenspiel, but it's definitely there, and it's you know a good example of tasteful like pop music done using like traditional yeah definitely instruments. Definitely, there's a great there's good a lot pick. of good flute on that song as well. It's true, it does good tune. All so right, number go. two, Matt. All right, my number two is Retro Vertigo by Mr. Bungle from their album California. Very cool. A good one. The glockenspiel and the chimes are both very important aspects of that song. Yeah, definitely. God, the instrumentation on that album is so great. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And they did the whole thing on 24-track tape with, like, multiple runs of tape, apparently. Wow. Really? Yeah, they would like fill up 24 tracks and then dub to two tracks on a different 24 track machine and then like do 22 more tracks. Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, good job, Mike Patton. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, that, that means it's my number two. Um, you know, I actually have more songs than I want to actually list here because I won Gone Daddy Gone. I've got less room in my list. Uh, let's go for uh, this German band called Die Nudel, which I think is the pastry, but it's spelled like the word noodle almost. So their album is called Die Noodle, with an exclamation <laughs> point. Um, and the first track on the album is called Die Wurst. Uh, it's, it's full of puns. It's one of the most <laughs> punny instrumental albums I've ever seen. All right. but I, it's one of these things I picked up at Rasputin in the dollar bin, like, I don't know, when I was 17 or 18. And uh, I love it. Uh, look it up. I think it might even be online. You can find it. Um, All right. Denodal Diversed. I'll look out for that. It's very well instrumentated, lush with like horns and strings and mallet percussion and all, you know, it's really like jaunty, vibrant um, instrumental music. Very eclectic. I like it. Cool. All right. Um, well, since my number two was, was just taken from me, from my, from my loving hands, from like a child from its mother's womb, uh, I'm going to take a They Might Be Giants song, one that I actually really like a lot and listen have listened to uh, quite a bit. Uh, it is called The Spiraling Shape, and it features some really good solo vibraphone. Very true. Yes. It was on my alternate list. Um, I just had to go Hello Radio over it. Cause yeah, mm. it was on my alternate list, too. Yeah. Oh, it, snap. Yeah, uh, Glockenspiel by They Might Be Giants also made my alt list. Oh, good one. Because it was called Glockenspiel. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, a pretty safe bet, I think. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I didn't have to use it, and I know nobody is gonna pick my number one. So unless Matt Payne picked my number one, but we'll see. I don't think he. That's did. pretty unlikely. All right, Matt. What is it gonna be? Your numero uno. My number one. Vibraphone song. My number one is Star Machine 2000 by Wintergatan. So oh, man. Have you guys... That's my number one. Jeez. What? No. Wait, really? It's... No. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, have, you seen that, have you seen that Marble Machine video? Yes. That's, That's amazing. So that guy, his band is called Wintergatan. And, I mean, he, again, like all of his music projects are called Wintergatan. Um and uh, but his before he did that project, he released an album in 2013 with his band um, and they did incredible videos for a couple of the songs on the album. And the second video that they put out was for Star Machine 2000. And it's a mix of uh, like the first sound is the sound of a slide projector edited to play like a beat. 
And in the video, they created reams and reams of slides, including a Lego animate stop motion animation that they made in slides. And the video has video of the slide projector showing the pictures and they speed the they start and stop the video to play the beat at the beginning. And then they play it really fast to show the stop motion animation. Oh, wow. Meanwhile, it's all synced to video of the band playing the music live and um, some other elements. It's fantastic. The song is really great. Vibraphone, um, the vibraphone changes roles as the song goes on. It's, there's part where, she's, where one of the band members is playing vib- two, two mallet vibes with one hand as like a chord part and playing the melody on a synthesizer at the same time. Um, and then glockenspiel is really important melodic aspect, so... Really, really wow. great band. Really, really great song. Incredible video. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that I sounds loved that model machine when I saw that. Yeah. So I go, even saw the video of him like making the funnels for the, for the marble xylophone. Yeah. He has a whole series of videos explaining how he built that machine. Really, really worth checking out. I, I would just check out everything that that band does. I'm really into them right now. And my awesome. kids are too. Awesome pick. I can man. hear that. Like your kids are really freaking out about your number one. <laughs> yeah. It's something. <laughs> Man. Okay, um, I guess that's time for my number one. Uh, this is uh, a band that uh, I actually just saw last week out of the blue. A friend asked me if I wanted to go to this show, uh, and it was The Church with the Psychedelic Furs, and they played, of course, Love My Way, one of the only MTV music videos ever to feature a full vibe on stage, like cut between these artful shots of, you know, people staring in water and it's just suddenly a band on plage with vibes in the background and it's awesome Mm. sounds very new wave yeah it was i mean there were a couple vibe bands in the in the 80s i think haircut 100 had vibes um and some would just like sample or synthesize it for some songs but you know well that's it psychedelic furs cool awesome still awesome in 2016 if you can believe it they put on a great show so is it if there's is it old wave or still waving? It's still waving. <laughs> yeah. It's not new. They're still waving. It's just not yeah. new. They've been waving for yeah. quite some time now. Don't call it a comeback. It's like almost forty years of waving. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it's All impressive. Right. It's a lot well, of waving. For my number one, I picked my favorite jazz standard, my favorite version of it, as a matter of fact. Uh by Tito Puente and Buddy Morrow, Autumn Leaves. Oh. So good. That is a that is a true classic. Yeah, that's like that song is just great, but then this particular version of it is just like so good and the vibraphones like totally make it. Cool. They like totally make it. So be sure to check out Tito Puente and Buddy Morrow. That they have a whole album of just them doing a bunch of stuff together that's super badass. Sweet. Nice. There you and go. And now you know our favorite vibraphone songs, everybody. Yay. There you go, kids. Now you learned a little bit about an instrument you might not have known about. And uh, you feel smarter. And you look great. And you taste good. You taste so good, kids. Out there listening. We love the way that our fans flavor themselves. And... Uh, we love the way that you listen to this podcast, and we hope that you continue to do just that. Matthew Joseph Payne of the Mineral Kingdom and Matthew Joseph Payne and everything else. Uh, what's, next? what's next for you? What's next for me? I'm just trying to get my stage show kind of back together and keep playing more shows, and I'm working on a three-track. I'm probably just going to keep doing three-track EPs as the Mineral Kingdom. I'm working on the next one. Uh, the Panda song will be on it, I'm fairly certain, along with probably something new and something old. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just kind of working on that stuff. I My wife runs a business, so, you know, I squeeze it in where I can. Yeah, um, and where can people follow you to keep up with this stuff? They can find me on, well, let me double check. I probably should know this stuff offhand. Uh, on Facebook, of course, the, if you search for the Mineral Kingdom, I should come up. As long as you see a little purple crown, that's me. Um, on Twitter, I believe it's Mineral Kingdom Band. Uh, 
and uh, the same on Instagram. Um, and of course, there's the Bandcamp, themineralkingdom.bandcamp.com, uh, and uh, that you can check out our record, our last record there, and soon the new one will be posted there. So follow me on Bandcamp because you can do that on Bandcamp, and I think people forget that, and then you know when I release something. Nice, sweet. And you can follow us all over the goddamn place. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at The Real Cartoon Violence. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Cartoon Violins. And then, uh, I don't know, you can probably follow us on Bandcamp, too. Yeah, we're Cartoon Violin. Nope, sorry, it's Cartoon Violins, just like our Twitter. Oh, no. Oh, right. We, it, no? We, can we change that? We change that. I think we reserved the real cartoon violence with the Let's just use that anyway. We never did. Let's get some uniformity in our lives. Yeah, well, we'll never have uniformity because at cartoon violence and cartoonviolence.com are ugh, sadly taken. Hey, well, speaking of uniformity, apparently my Twitter account is actually mineral underscore kingdom. Nice. There you go. I can't keep I, I can't keep track. You're just too social media out, man. You're everywhere. If only there were one place people could go to learn everything about a band. Like, like a website. CartoonViolenceMusic.com, for instance. Hmm. CartoonViolenceMusic.com. That sounds great. Yeah. And then you can find whatever our band camp is and our Twitter is, whether or not we remember it ourselves. That could probably get you to our, to our, uh, to our online store as well, right? Where you can buy, like, T-shirts and stickers and our Threadless store where you can buy more T-shirts. Yes. And hoodies. Uh, cartoonviolence.threadless.com. We've got 12 t-shirt designs you can check out there. And, and if you buy, buy one yourself. and take a photo of it, I'll draw you as a taco if you put it on our social medias. It's true. He's done it before. I He'll will draw anyone as a taco, really. I don't give a fuck. Okay, so draw me as a taco. What the heck? Uh, did you buy a shirt yet? Oh, I can. All right. Well, you know what, you know what to do. All right, I'll get on it. Cartoonviolence.threadless.com. Buy a shirt, be a taco. That we out. Thank you, Matthew Joseph Payne, for having a podcast with us. Peace. All right, we'll see you guys next week or next month. Later. <laughs> next eon. Rock on until then, and thanks again. Oh, peace. Later.